This morning then, overflow of the heart. In a sense, today is a sequel or a follow-on or a companion to last uh, Sunday. Remember that last Sunday, Liam very helpfully gave us the image of a baton that we hold in our hand and we pass on. And uh, we were reflecting together how sometimes I've got this baton in my hand, which is kind of mission and discipleship and everything God wants me to do with my life. Uh, But I feel weak. I feel fearful. I don't think uh, that I have enough of what I need. I don't feel I have the power and the authority to really run with the baton and to pass it on. And we talked about how the crud that builds up in our lives actually stops the power, just like with that vacuum cleaner uh, image, how the, the pipes get full up with all kinds of muck, and the power doesn't flow through us in the way that we want it to or would like it to. And so instead of feeling excited about the baton in our hand, we feel kind of shameful or guilty or awkward because I've got this baton, I don't really feel like I've got everything that I need to do what I feel God's asking me to do with it. So that was last Sunday. This week, uh, we're not so much thinking about clearing the crud out, but how do we stop it getting there in the first place? How do we live in a way that doesn't allow the kind of crud to build up in our lives? How do we live in a way that our vessel is always clean and alive and full of the Holy Spirit and full of all good things? As Jesus said on numerous occasions, but most well-known to the woman uh, caught in adultery, your sins have been forgiven, go and sin no more. So last week we talked about forgiveness and cleansing and the way God sorts us out. Today it's about, well, what is it to establish a life where you go and sin no more, where you live in a different kind of way, where you establish for yourself different sorts of patterns. And to help us connect with that, we've got this phrase here from Jesus, the overflow of the heart. Um, in, at least that's what's in older translations. In the newest version of the NIV, it talks about the abundance, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, or what, or the heart speaks out of the abundance, sorry, the mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. Let's turn with it. You'll need to, I can't even pretend that it's on the screen. You can't even pretend that you're reading it off the screen. So um, Luke chapter 6, verse 43. Let's uh, get that back open if you've shut it um, already and uh, have a look at what it says there. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. This is verse 44 of Luke chapter 6. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So how do we live not letting the stuff that drains us of power and authority and the life full of the Spirit that we long for, how do we live in a way that stops that stuff? In other words, how do we live in a way that is producing good fruit rather than bad fruit. This is the key point of what Jesus is saying in these verses. Good fruit comes from the heart, not from striving to do good. 
Good fruit comes from the heart, not from striving to do good. I want us to reflect for a moment how easily or how easy it is for us to live our Christian lives where we're trying to produce, to offer good fruit, but it's not necessarily coming from our hearts. You see, as Christians, we know that we're supposed to be good and kind and generous and patient and loving and gentle, but we also know in so many situations our hearts are not feeling it. We don't actually feel those things in our hearts. There's that person, ah, but I'm a Christian, so I'm so loving. How are you today? Hope you've had a lovely week. Hope you have a lovely next week. God bless you as you go. Because you know what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to think, how you're supposed to act, but it's not coming from that heart place. Why are we weak? when we're holding the baton, sometimes we're weak when we're holding the baton because an awful lot of energy is going into behaving in a way that is inconsistent with our hearts. I've said this many times. So when Jesus says, love your friends, that's easy. That's sometimes not even easy, if we're honest. But what I'm going for, Jesus says to his disciples, is love your enemies. We all know that to love someone when we're not feeling it takes an awful lot of hard work. Ever tried to do that? And we see the effects of this in so many different ways worked out in our Christian lives. You see, our natural hearts are selfish and proud. That's what you're naturally like, generally speaking. That's what we're like. That's our human nature. But we know we need to do the right thing anyway, And because it's hard to always do the right thing when our hearts are not feeling it, we prioritize certain aspects of our lives. We will do the right thing in other places when we won't worry so much. Which is why you can have a humdinger of a row coming to church. And then when you get here, it's fine. I can't see the screen. That's fine. There's nothing on the screen. That's fine. Didn't know any of the words for those songs. That's fine. God bless you, my wife, my husband, my children. God bless you. Because we're all fine, a Christian family. And you wonder why you're so tired by the time you get home from church. You want to say it's because it's been a long service. But it's not. It's because you're trying to behave in a way that your heart is not always connected with. More seriously, you might notice in your own life that there's a slightly different you at work than there is at church. Because in work, the language perhaps is different and attitudes are different and it's easy to slip into those different things than the energy it takes to move in a way that's inconsistent with your heart. But then you end up being a slightly different person in different places. And sometimes people will say, I wish my spouse behaved at home like they do in public. I I, I wish... He, she was like that at home like they are at church. Now, the only consolation prize is it's better that they behave like that at church and like they do at home than the other way around because that's more awkward and more embarrassing. 
but it highlights the recognition in our lives that we can live with this inconsistency. And so it's like young people, right? Young people can't be bothered covering up what's in their hearts. If you're a teenager at home, can you? Do you know? Your mum says, do the washing up, and you go, you know, you've got absolutely no skills of covering up what's in your heart, have you? Hands up if you've got no skills at covering up what's in your heart. See, I mean, the rest of you are lying as well. So, no, they can't do it. That's what I'm feeling, so you're going to get what I feel, and I don't care. Now, older people, they also have less energy, and occasionally they can be cantankerous and grumpy, because they don't have enough energy to cover up what's in their hearts either. You get to a certain age and you think, sod it. I'm just going to give it to them. So honestly, you're in a shop. Get out of the way, I'm old. Oh, all right then. There is, of course, a sweet spot in the middle. About the age 46. When you can completely cover up what's in your heart. See how this works. You are a really responsive congregation. But we can, we can live if we're not careful. If we're not careful, we can live in these... These mics are working quite well, even though I'm walking around, don't they? To be honest. No feedback at all. It's really good enough. Just try down here for a minute. So we can live with being slightly different people in, in slightly different places. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah? And, 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 and that is a sign that we're not living out of our hearts. We're using precious kingdom energy to behave right, to look right, when our hearts are not connected in. And honestly, it, it messes with everything in our lives. It's why, you know, the seven-year itch, it's basically after seven years, you're exhausted living in a way that's contrary to some of the truths in your heart. You can't sustain that through a whole life. You have to start being honest. And sometimes the whole thing falls apart. And what Jesus says very profoundly and yet very simply, hey, if you want really good stuff to flow out your your life, you can't manufacture that. You can't work at it and force it and strive for it. It's only going to come if there is goodness flowing in your heart. Because actually, you know when, you know when not good fruit's coming out, when bad fruit's coming out, it's not a stress to get the bad fruit out, is it? You don't really struggle to say the wrong thing. Come on, you don't really struggle to say the wrong thing. It just flows out. You can't hold it back. It's just pouring out. Such a powerful reality. The goodness of our hearts. And that is the problem. Because we live in a world where we would put all our emphasis into doing the right thing or even looking right, even if we're not doing right, speaking right, even if we're not thinking right, because image is everything. And the Christian life is totally different. Christian life says you have to work on the inside. And in order to live a sustained Christian life where goodness flows out, you will have to work not on what you do, but on who you are. And sometimes when, when, when we're put under pressure, when the stress is on, when we're ill or something's going wrong, the ugliness of what's in our hearts comes out. It's fine, we're forgiven, grace covers everything. But it's a reminder to us 
that what Jesus wants to do is to help us live from the overflow of what's in our hearts. Each tree, he says, this is verse 44, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick frigs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. True fruit should not be a strain or a struggle. Now, I find that a real challenge because I can identify areas in my life where I struggle to do the right thing. It doesn't come as naturally as it should. Anyone know what we're talking about? And, and it's a reminder that whilst I might try and force some fruit out, it is totally unsustainable. Because if the tree had to force the fruit out every season, it would be just totally wasted by the end of the season and never recover. The fruit is a natural outworking. And some of the most beautiful people you will know, it, it, it doesn't matter what's going on in their lives, just a beauty comes out. It almost doesn't matter how much you, you upset them, annoy them, whack them, smack them. They just radiate something because the more you push on their hearts, simply what's in their heart just comes out. If there's grace in their hearts, push on it all you like and grace will pour out. Well, once or twice someone's pushed on my heart and grace didn't come out, which is a reminder that grace wasn't there in the way that it should have been. So, pause. This is the deal. Jesus wants us to have hearts where the fruit comes naturally. How do we do that? Jesus uses the metaphor of the tree, and uh, it's a biblical metaphor. So back in the Old Testament, as we're going to hear in a moment from Jeremiah, for example, uh, there is the image of plants and how the plant stays healthy. And Matt's going to come and take that metaphor the one that Jesus used, the one that goes through the Bible, and help us think about how we create in our lives natural rhythms that enable us to have healthy hearts and therefore produce fruit naturally in our lives rather than squeezing it out, um, which is how it can sometimes be. So Matt, would you come and uh, lead us in our thinking for this next bit? Thanks, Simon. (laughs) You'll get a mention. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Um, There aren't any um, hymn books, but there are Bibles in the pews. So I'd need you to open your Bible again. We're going to have two readings today. So I'd like you to turn to Jeremiah 17. And I've just had a quick look. It's on page 776. We're starting at verse 5. Um, 776. Oh, Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Okay, I'm going to read it to you, but um, I'd like you to follow it, because I'm just going to point to this through, through, through what I talk about here. So we start with, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. 
But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So already you can see the word fruit there. Now where Simon talked about the heart, I'm going to talk about the roots of a plant. But they're pretty much the same thing. It's just a different metaphor, different visual image for the same thing. So here Jeremiah is inviting us to use the life of a healthy plant to teach us about how to live healthy lives, healthy Christian lives. So let's just dive in a little bit deeper. I've got two kind of areas I wanted to pick out about a plant. Um, What makes a plant healthy? Now there's lots of different things, but I would argue one of the main and most important parts are the roots. Just as the heart is hidden in us, the roots are hidden in a plant. It's where the nutrients, it's where the good stuff is absorbed, it's sucked up daily for the plant to grow and eventually for the fruit to develop. And this is where I need Michael, I think. Desert plants often have deeper roots. They can withstand longer periods of drought and still grow. So I'm thinking about those, those people that we see who live the Christian life. Their roots are deep. Yeah. So I want you to think about this as I talk. How deep do your roots go? And what are they feeding from? What nutrients are they feeding from? And how often? Sometimes a gardener um, hard prunes a plant, cuts it. Not to destroy the plant, not to, not to make it worse, but actually to develop stronger roots and therefore a stronger plant in the future. And I think our loving father, the emphasis on loving, and I, oh, that, today was fantastic. That, I really got that sense of the power of his love today in, from the worship. I think our loving father also prunes us in those wilderness times to develop a stronger character in us in the future. But we don't often like to think about this part of the Christian life. But just as there's seasons of planting, seasons of growing, there's also seasons of pruning. So what might that look like in, a kind of, in our lives? Um, lots of things we could do, but some examples. Uh, it might mean a door being shut in an area of your life. Either something we want to do, or maybe something we want to get out of. And I've had experiences of both of those, as I'm sure you have too. And it might mean something, or several things, actually stopping in our lives. Or a a complete change in circumstances, or a change in some of our circumstances. It it might feel like a, well it often does, feels like a frustrating place to be. And we can react to this in different ways. We might throw a tantrum, get angry, and demand to know why we can't do something. Either to God, or usually to the people around us. We could go the opposite direction, and become disheartened or despairing. We can be tempted to replace things that have stopped with other things really quickly. Just fill it in. Just do something else quickly. However... 
as we've heard many times, God's more interested in our character than our comfort. It can be easy to view this objectively when we're sitting here and we're just thinking about it. Yes, I totally understand that. Or when we're not in that season. But when we're in it, it's a lot harder to be objective because our emotions are on overload. We're not comfortable. We don't like it. And I think this is where we need others around us to help with that. Um, like, like most of you, like most people here, I want more good fruit in my life. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, it talks about in Galatians 5, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can all try and do those things, but I want them just to come out. I want to see people, people to see Jesus in me, as I'm sure, as I'm sure you do. That's the fruit I want. But just as Simon says, oh, so often I try to get more fruit, fruit through striving and focusing on the fruit, but instead the fruit comes from the healthy plant, and the healthy plant comes from a healthy root. So a fruitful life is cultivated during the times that no one sees. It's the hidden parts once again. So I want you to also think about how do you use that time? that no one sees or very few people see. And the encouragement of that is verse 8 there. If you just look at verse 8. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. That's what we'll get. So what kind of nutrients could be root, should we be rooted in? What's the good stuff that sustains the plant and sustains us? Well, None of it will be a surprise, I'm sure. But God's word, the Bible, reading it, listening to it, talking about it, you know, however works for you. But you, you, can't, just, you can't replace it, you just need to be doing it. Praying, praying for ourselves, praying for other people. Walking with others. Now, you know, our church here is changing massively on that basis. What does that walking with others mean? I mean, this... In this context, I think we're talking about Christians. We're talking about Christian brothers and sisters who we're in relationship with and live out that Christian life with. Brothers and sisters who are as close to us as we dare to let them come. Who support us, but also challenge us. We need that. We don't just want support. Sometimes we like it, but we don't need it sometimes. We also need to spend time with God, talking to him and listening to him as our loving dad. And again, this is, that's a whole life in itself, listening to God. We've talked many times. You need to hear from him. And there's lots of different ways he does it in different ways. You're, we're all fixed in different ways to listen to him. And if you can't hear from God, then... I'd love to pray with you and anyone else would love to pray with you to kind of explore that a little bit a little bit further. He's our loving dad, spending time in his presence. But that doesn't always mean sitting down and being quiet. If you're not that kind of person, don't do it. It's, uh, you know, it, his presence is everywhere. Where is it that you, you, you feel closer to God? And there are loads more. But again, most of this is hidden. It's unseen by most but this is how we build the godly life. The danger is you can look the part but not build the life. And that's the roots. We need to take care that we don't put all our energies into trying to live the Christian life and miss the point 
that getting our hidden parts, our heart and our roots correct with God leads to that fruit that we desire. So then, later on in verse 8, it talks about it does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. I think you can replace the it with your own name there. You know, Matt does not fear when the heat comes. Matt's leaves are always green. So there's our roots. But plants also have another area. We're talking about energy now. Where does your energy come from? On a plant, it's the leaves. The leaves for energy. Roots for getting your nutrients. Leaves for energy. How do they do it? Without getting into a biology lesson, photosynthesis. But it's what they're designed to do. All they have to do The leaves just need to face the sun for a sustained, for a long period of time, and the rest happens automatically. They get their energy, they grow. How do we get energy? All we have to do is face the sun, S-O-N. And uh, for a sustained period of time, it's what we're designed to do. So the sun, for the plants, the sun for us, is the source of energy. Looking at verse 7. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. So what does that, well again, what does that mean practically? I think it means taking that time to talk to Jesus and to listen to him. It means seeking him out, turning yourself to him for wisdom, for restoration and renewal. Daily. And through the day as well. It's realising that he's interested in what we do and wants to be in relationship with us. I, I, I dare you to invite him into as much of your, as your life as you can, as you can, and some of the areas you don't want him in. It's, it, this, I've got this real strength at the moment. It's taking Jesus at his word. When he says, I give you all my authority, strength and power, I mean, that's awesome. And if you believe that, you can live that out. And his, his strength, his power, his love is limitless, as we sung earlier. It's limitless. You don't just, oh, I have to come to you again, Jesus. He doesn't care. He'll pour it out to you. And he's still got loads left. So where can it all go wrong? Let's get back to that first part of that, of that chapter there. Where is, the, where is the bush in that part? The, cur- the cursed one. It's in the wastelands. There's no nutrients there or the balance is wrong. It's in the parched places. No water to survive or grow. And it's in a salt land. Now salt is poison for plants. So where can we find ourselves? Well, we can find ourselves, as it says in the beginning of verse uh, verse 5, trusting in man. There's no nutrients here. There's balance is wrong. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. And I'm sorry, women as well, that includes you. <laughs> what happens when we find ourselves trusting in the wrong thing? Ultimately, men and women will let us down. They will hurt us, our best friends, our spouses, our children. They will let us down. They will hurt us. They will think of themselves first. That's just a fact. It's important, really important, to be in community. That's where the nutrients are. But I think it's not to trust wholeheartedly in it. Because the balance would be wrong then. 
It's, it's God, first and foremost. Verse 5, a bit later on, says, Whose heart turns away from the Lord, not spending time with God, his word or his people. You have no water to survive. You can't grow. We can't expect to get his blessing if we turn away from him. It's a fact of scripture. You know, it's a hard message, but we can't. Other things will begin to become more important to us. Little by little, we will drift away. Or, I know Simon said this ages ago, I don't know if he said it for a while, we'll pull into that spiritual lay-by and go to sleep for the next 10 years, 20 years, the rest of your life. We can also, as it says in verse 6, in a salt land where no one lives, just as salt is a poison for plants, the wrong things are poison for us. And this is where the world offers, where sex and money and power and drugs and alcohol and shopping and sport and loads more become more important to us than God. Not all of those things are bad, any stretch in their own right but when they become our idol our God they take the place of God and begin to poison our soul and our spirit that's why God said in in the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy you shall have no other gods not because he's an arrogant God and you need to worship me alone and I'm the best and everything it's because he knows what we're like not because what he's like And finally, we depend on the flesh for our strength, depend on ourselves. Verse 5, again, says, who depends on flesh for his strength. And I think on another version I've got, depends on, draw, draw strength from mere flesh. Mere flesh, meaning just flesh. This is Western culture. Western culture, independence. I don't need anyone else. I can do it on my own. This is celebrated in the media, it's celebrated in pop songs, it's celebrated in everything. The trouble with this is, we feel worn out, and it can lead to worse, to burnout. Because we're not turned to the sun, S-O-N, for energy. That can be our biggest downfall. If we can do it by ourselves, we don't need God. Scripture says we crucify our flesh daily with all its desires. We bring our strength ourselves to God just to say we can't do it by ourselves. So what can we do? What can we do about it? You look at your roots. Send them out. Search for the stream, as it says here. Search for that stream. What gives you life? Read the word. Read the word of God. Meditate on it. That means just churn it over in your mind. Don't empty your mind, fill your mind with a short scripture. Discuss it, talk about it. Soap, you know the S-O-A-P, scripture, read it. Observation, what do you see? Application, what does it mean for your life? And then pray. Do this on your own, with your spouse, with your children, with your small group. Journal as well, write things down. I I journal, but I don't journal every day by any stretch of the imagination. But when things happen, I jot it down. It really helps me to clarify my thoughts. It clarifies to me, amazingly, we forget what God says to us. I forget it all the time. So I have to write it down, what God says. 
not to forget things that have happened in your life. When you've gone through a season of pruning, it's really quite good, I find, to write things down because you write your emotions down. They're quite raw. And when I read back stuff, it really helps me to remember how much God has brought me through that or what I was thinking at that time. So when I go through it again, I recognize it. And then they become just as... um, John Ducker says the other week about uh, from Joshua, those stones of remembrance, you start building them because they remind you. When, when you look back, you think, that's why, that's what he's done in my life. Listen to sermons. I listen to other sermons, not just Simon's. Sorry, Simon. But, <laughs> there's loads on the, on, the, on the internet, tons. Worship God, worship him, whatever's great for you, singing. Looking at nature, going out, enjoying, going for a walk. Loads of things. Worshiping. It's not just about singing songs. Get with others who are by that stream. And ones who are even closer to the stream of of water than you are. When I'm around other Christians who are close to God, it really rubs off on me. It's like an impartation. It's being imparted, I think. But you've just got to be a little bit careful of this. You still need your own relationship with God as well. You can't just ride on others' coattails. You can be in community, and that's great. You can be encouraged, but you can't just rely on that. And I hope as well I, I would have the same effect on others as too. Face the sun for energy, S-O-N. Spend time in the presence of God. What are the things that get you closer to God? Is it a walk in nature? Is it time on your own? Is it writing? Is it painting? Is it singing or listening to songs? Is it having a meal? Is it spit convert, conversing, conversations with others? Plan it in. I'm not very good at this, but I'm learning to plan in those times to be, to be there. And as a family as well, we're learning to try and to, to, to get like that. I've, I've found I actually need times of quiet. I'm learning to put less on my to-do list so I can include Jesus in my day because then my mind is less full of stuff. We turn the, myself and Joe turn the telly off sometimes, amazingly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we'll, we'll listen to some worship music or just talk, which I know. I know. <laughs> Once Joe has picked herself off, off the floor, then uh, when we start... And, and you know the great thing about that? That when we've talked, God comes into it. And sometimes we, we, they often end up as prayers. But their prayers kind of merge into the talk. And the talk merges into the prayers. And that's, that's fantastic. That's, that's prayer. Meeting up with other Christians. Talking about how the scriptures worked out in your life. I really find discussion helps me to clarify my mind. And as well, myself and Joe just love to get by the seaside. That's great living here. We love to get... We just we say, you know what, I need to listen to the waves again. It's really restoration for our souls, hearing those waves. It's just, it's just awesome. And you know what, just as, just as I finish here, there's a great promise at this. Verse 8, right at the end. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Again, if you replace your name with the it, I would say Matt has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. What a promise. You know, I'd love to have that. And I'm on that journey. I hope you are too. Give him a round of applause. That's really great stuff. Thank you so much. That's really great stuff. Well done.
Let's just pause then for a moment as we let the Spirit just settle on our hearts. I mean, give the Spirit an opportunity just to, just to take what we've talked about and to, to bring it into our own personal, private space. So maybe this morning you've become conscious of an area where you're trying to do the right thing, but your heart's not in it. You're going against what's naturally bubbling up inside of you, and it's pretty exhausting, and ultimately it's unsustainable. And typically at moments like this, we'll feel convicted and we'll, we'll think of strategies to change the fruit or to make more of the good fruit. Uh, just, let's just push that to one side and just ask the Spirit, what, what, what's he saying about our hearts? What needs to change in our hearts for the good fruit to naturally flow? What does your heart need? Your heart might need healing. Your heart might need to allow the grace of forgiveness to penetrate deep. Your heart might need fresh nourishment every day. We've heard about the being nourished from God's word. Or it might be that you're isolated and what you're hearing is you've got to get back into community. Or you've got to do something that helps you process what you know God's saying, whether that be meditating or journaling or talking with someone. Or there were those great times that you had in God's presence and it just fed your soul and nourished your heart. You don't do it anymore. You never decided one day not to do it. Just you missed it once and then again and then again. And before you know it, a rhythm that was sustaining you has been lost and the Spirit's just gently speaking to you this morning. It's time to pick up that rhythm again. Time to renew that commitment. most telling thing I think that's been said all morning was what Matt said about it's what happens in the private place that matters most. What would the Spirit say to you about your private place today? So we offer you what we're hearing in the quietness of this moment, Father God. And we embrace the challenge because you're a loving Father and it's for our good.
So Holy Spirit, would you take the things that we're committing to, would you take the things that we're saying in the quietness of this place? And by your Spirit, would you help us to build patterns and rhythms and behaviors that feed our hearts afresh? So that even when, the, <clears throat> even when the drought comes, even when the pressure's on, even those moments when our hearts get squeezed so, goodness still comes forth because there's goodness in our hearts. And as we stand in a moment to worship, we recognize that what you're asking of us is not to go out and try and be better people. But you're asking us to open up our lives and our hearts through the rhythm of our daily lives that we might, by your Spirit, become internally more like Jesus. That our character might be molded and shaped from deep within. That I wouldn't be struggling and thinking about doing the right thing because it would flow from the depths of my heart, that my roots would be deep into Jesus, his ways and his life. And so all that we are becomes an offering. And above all else, we might honor you when no one's looking and then have no worries at all about honoring you when everybody sees. <laughs>